you're listening to the Talking Rheumatology Research Podcast, brought to you by the British Society for Rheumatology. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to another podcast. I'm Maum Kari, I'm the Editor-in-Chief for Rheumatology, and today we're going to be heading towards the other side of the world, We've got a um, team from Harvard who are going to be telling us a bit more about what they've been doing, especially with tofacitinib and, and DVTs. Over to you, Rishi, and tell us a bit more about yourself. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Rishi Desai. I'm a pharmacoepidemiologist and an assistant professor in the Division of Pharmacoepi uh, at the Harvard Medical School and Brigham Women's Hospital. Uh, and we have been studying safety of tofacitinib, but also many other biologic products for rheumatoid arthritis closely over the over the last few years. So what does this study show? Right. So in this paper, we focused on the risk of venous thromboembolism after tofacitinib treatment. Uh, and I appreciate that there are other safety um, outcomes that are ongoing uh, in our studies, as well as uh, that are probably going to be published soon from the trial as well. Uh, but this paper focused on venous thromboembolism. Um, and we compared the risk of venous thromboembolism in patients who are treated with tofacitinib or TNF inhibitors. Uh, these are newly treated patients for rheumatoid arthritis. And we used data from large US-based health insurance programs, including the federal Medicare fee-for-service program, which covers everybody over the age of 65 in the US, as well as two commercial insurance claims, uh, MarketScan and Optum. And what we see uh, is that we did not find uh, a major difference in the risk of venous thromboembolism with a hazard ratio of 1.13, which comfortably includes the 95% uh, confidence intervals, comfortably includes the null value. So we concluded that there doesn't appear to be a a large signal for the venous thromboembolism outcome uh, after tofacitinib treatment. And a couple of points I I would note here is that because this was using data from routine care, uh, and only the 5 milligram uh, doses available in the U.S. for rheumatoid arthritis, our study only captures experienced patients on that dose as opposed to oral surveillance trials, which had uh, a larger 10 milligram dose as well. Okay, so but oral surveillance did have a non-inferiority margin and it looked as though your non-inferiority margin was covered. So what's the difference? So I think a major difference in our study, which is the trial, is the population. So oral surveillance, as you know, uh, included patients with uh, with age more than 50 years and at least one cardiovascular risk factor at baseline. Uh, and this makes this population unique because this is not your typical population that you see in, in, in routine care, where most of these rheumatoid arthritis patients have uh, relatively younger age and not all of them have, have uh, underlying cardiovascular uh, risk factors. And what we have seen is that the signal seems to be dependent on the underlying risk, meaning that if you are at a higher risk to begin with, uh, there appears to be some gradient of risk that is conferred by tofacitinib, especially at the 10 milligram dose. And this is what they have said repeatedly in the uh, in the data that were presented from the oral surveillance trial as well. Whereas our study included much healthier population because we did not impose the specific requirement of them being 50 years uh, or older or having any cardiovascular risk factor at baseline. Yeah, and you had more people as well in your study. Yes, that's right. So we had uh, roughly 87,000 patients. Most of them were on TNF inhibitors, which is expected, uh, but I think 6,700 or so patients on tofacitinib. 
And you actually also looked at the data that was very similar to um, was very similar to the oral surveillance study. And you and again, you didn't find any difference. Can you tell us why? Yeah, so so we did look at the Medicare data set, which has the age requirement by by uh, design uh, because everybody is 65 or older in that population. And in that, we noted slightly higher rates numerically uh, with a hazard ratio of 1.4. But again, it was including the the null value with a lower uh, bound of 0.8. So there, we did see again some gradient, but uh, the signal was not large enough for us to uh, conclusively say that that, that this uh, treatment is associated with the risk. But as opposed to the commercial insurance patients who were mostly healthy and and uh, uh, average age there was 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 much younger than the medicare population there we did not see any signal with hazard ratios of, of roughly one in that population so I, I think future research should definitely look more closely into how the uh, baseline risk influences the the future risk on treatment okay so are you thinking that we should be a bit more reassured using tofacitinib in, in these groups of patients. We shouldn't be taking our patients off. Is that the message? Yeah, so so our study basically says that if you have uh, your uh, typical routine care patients who don't have any baseline issues with, with, their, with their cardiovascular health, our findings uh, coming from a large uh, patient population of routinely care treated patients should reassure you. If the treatment is working fine for them, I think it is reassuring to, to see that uh, for at least this outcome, that doesn't appear to be appreciably higher. Okay, well, that's great. Thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talking Rheumatology Research, brought to you by BSR. Please do rate, share and subscribe through your favourite podcast app.